John Denver was my boss. He was also my friend. For 24 years, I worked and traveled with one of history's true musical legends. Although the highway we traveled was often bumpy, around each bend was an adventure. Adventures I would capture for history, and now share with you. Rocky Mountain Highway is a close and personal look at both the legend and the man. You may know the legend, but the man may surprise you. This is Donna Kozik, and I'm continuing my conversation with Will Norman. And he has a book coming out, Rocky Mountain Highway, talking about his 25 years and working with John Denver. In the first part of our conversation, we talked about how he came to work for John Denver and also uh, beefed up the uh Tech, the technical part of the show, the visual part of the show, and then got hired uh, by John Denver to continue touring with him. So I was interested, Lowell, in hearing a little bit more about what a typical concert day looked like. How does that unfold? Well, it's a it's a long day. First of all, um, the the trucks, um, the semi truck gets there about um, well, probably by nine a.m. Um, and they start setting up all the sound stuff. Uh, the stage gets built. Um, the sound uh, goes in. Uh, lighting lights go in. This is um, actually at the, at the very beginning when I first started working with John. We didn't have our own lighting system. We did have a sound system that we toured with uh, through through a company in Kearney, Nebraska called Stanell Sound, and um, that uh, traveled with us all the time. Lighting was just a couple of spots. We had three spots that we used, and uh, Chris O'Connor would call the show, and and uh, call the lights, and uh, it was simple like that. And, and and I had my three screens with the visuals on them. That was kind of it. That was a very simple show in those days. About how big were the houses? Uh, in those days, we did a lot of um, we're doing a lot of college dates, so those halls were probably um, you know uh, two thousand to four or five thousand people, something like that. Um, when we started doing bigger places uh, in a year or two and uh, along the way, I would say by 74, we were doing more and more big halls. Um, when I say big halls, I'm talking about, you know, basketball arenas and places like that that, uh, that hold, you know, 10 to 15,000 people. And um, uh, that's pretty much what we did for most of the time I was touring with them, was those big halls. And then on those days, about what time did you get to the venue and what did you do? Well, I, I got there. I would get there after the stage was built, obviously, and, and the and the, and the sound was going in. And I would build my screens, which needed to be built uh, with, with a couple of stagehands. We'd put the, the screens together and hang them. And um, they would go behind the where the band was. Um, and then I'd set up my towers behind those screens and, and put the projectors, projectors on them and, and focus them and do all of that. And it took about three, four hours to put that whole part of the show together. About when were things ready then? About half hour before the oh, show but, or up until the minute? Or? Up, to, up to the sound check. Uh, I was all set by sound check, which was usually about an hour and a half, two hours before the show. So um, if the show was at, was at seven, uh, sound check was at about 5.30 or 6.00. Uh, well, I take that back. If the show was at seven, doors would open by six. So uh, uh, sound check would be about four. So 
two, three hours earlier. And did John do his own sound checks and come out? Always, with that? always did his own sound check. And, and uh, yeah, he would, he would go through most of the songs, um, sometimes an abbreviated version of them. Um, never did he throw his voice fully into it. Um, but, you know, it was just really to check the mics and make sure that the monitors are all up, operating right and all of that. And I didn't really have anything to do with the rehearsals or, or, or the sound check. I just, I just had to uh, make sure that my film was ready to go come showtime. And then after the house opened, uh, kind of what happened next up until... Uh, uh, show it open. The house would usually open in a half, uh, about, uh, about an hour before the show. And then uh, it would fill up and, um, um, you know, the, sh the show would start uh, usually about 10 minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> and what was John doing during that hour? Um, well, that was that was his sort of quiet time. He was, um, uh, we were doing, uh, well, he'd get, he'd always take a, he always came to the venue um, having not showered or shaved. Um, he wanted to shower and shave at the show right before. Um, so that was his routine. Um, he would, uh, he'd play ping pong. We had, everywhere we went, we had a, on our rider, our, our contract, uh, we had a, um, we had the, you know, we, we had stated that they had to have a ping pong table everywhere we went. So we had ping pong, we played ping pong. We were all very competitive at that. Um, and, uh, he would do that. He would, um, uh, just kind of relax, take a shower finally and, and shave and, and then uh, get dressed for the show. Mm -hmm. All right, I have a couple more questions for you. Uh, before I ask them though, just a reminder, if you want some updates about Lowell's book and also check out some John Denver swag that he has, you can go to johndenvermemories.com and subscribe to the newsletter. Also, we have a Patreon version of these interviews where you can get some more behind the scenes information and uh, interviews with Lowell about what it was like working with John Denver. And uh, you can find out more about that at patreon.com forward slash John Denver memories. There'll be a link in the show notes as well. So how about like the like the few minutes right before the show started? Where was John at? Where were you at? Well, I was I was on my tower. One of my towers had um, all my control, my control unit, which controlled all um, all seven projectors. And, um, I was, uh, on, on, on my scaffolding, which was about six, seven feet tall. And, um, it was behind the stage behind the center screen. And, and John would be, um, on the side of the stage, generally right before the show goes on uh, tuning his guitar. Um, usually that that's, that's the point at which you would leave him alone. There would, there would be no talking, no, no business conducted whatsoever before the show. Um, John was was very uh, focused on what he needed to do, and and um, everybody respected that. Uh, the show was uh, uh, very smooth in terms of the way it ran. Um, Chris O'Connor, um, John, everybody involved in the show was uh, was just extremely professional, and and um, there was never. That really was there was never any chaos <laughs> whatsoever around the show um john also is interesting uh he would he would um drink some he had some, a special tea that he drank um sometimes he'd put a little bit of whiskey in it for his voice um 
but he would never eat uh, before a concert. He would never eat. He might have breakfast at seven in the morning. Uh, if he was going to have a, a seven o'clock show, he would not eat anything uh, at lunch or any you know, anything at all um, until after the show. So um, I always thought that was interesting how you had the energy to do a show like that without having eaten anything, but he pulled it off somehow. Yeah, performers, they have sometimes those techniques that really uh, work for them. So, and uh, final question, like how many times did you sit through this particular show? Hundreds, hundreds of hundreds, hundreds of times. I, I can't even tell you, I, got, I, could, I could sit there, it was kind of a joke among some of the guys that I, I, I just sat in the back and kind of mouthed all of the uh, John's dialogue that he had during the show uh, because it was, it was pretty predictable what he was gonna do. And I had sort of memorized the whole thing. And I, part of that was that I had to memorize it because I had to know when my cues were. And I was in, it was sitting in the back of the, of behind the screens, I couldn't see a thing. So uh, all I could rely on was it was John's um, patter and what he was doing between songs and stuff to know when I was gonna be able to start running the film. Interesting. All right. If you'd like to hear some bonus podcast episodes with Lowell Norman and his stories about working with John Denver, you can go to patreon.com forward slash John Denver memories and become a patron. For this episode, we're going to talk about what happened after the show and some of the celebrities that appeared backstage to meet John Denver and Lowell got to witness. So thanks again, Lowell, for sharing some of these stories with us. Sure. Happy to do it. And again, you can also go to johndenvermemories.com to sign up for our newsletter to find out uh, more about the forthcoming book, Rocky Mountain Highway. Finally, if you are enjoying this podcast of John Denver Memories, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review in iTunes. It really helps us spread the word. 